are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. Um, don't you just love kids? You know, I just, it's so great to have the kids, we're having the kids in here worshiping with us today, and um, how many people have got younger kids or have had younger kids? Let me just see your hand. Don't they just say the funniest things? Like, I don't know about you, but my kids get me laughing all the time. Yeah, I, I called Liberty up last week, and I said to Liberty, um, I was working on my sermon, I said, Liberty, what do you want to be when you grow up? And she says, oh, that's easy, Dad. I said, awesome. What do you want to be? She goes, I want to be the tooth fairy. And I said, the, 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 the tooth fairy? Like, really? She goes, yeah. I said, why do you want to be a tooth fairy? She says, well, it's easy. Because I'll be able to collect teeth and I can fly. And I'm like, oh, that, that makes sense. Yeah. And she goes, I said to her, well, if, if you can't be a tooth fairy, what would you want to be? She says, I want to be a dentist. And uh, I'm like, okay. And if you can't be a dentist, she says, well, I would want to, like to be a firefighter. I said, you know what? That's awesome, baby. When we walk in that place and we start to grow, and as Liberty is, is, is five years old right now, I'm sure those dreams and her aspirations will change over the years. You know what? I'm sure that, that we've had different dreams placed into our heart, which over the years have molded and changed and perhaps even forgotten. Isn't that awesome when, when we hear that fresh perspective from a child? But the truth is that as she grows and as she changes, again, those things are going to kind of maybe even fall away. Kids want to grow up to become whatever, and it doesn't even occur to them that they can or can't do something. But something happens as we get older. We internalize limits. We grow up, and sometimes we grow old. But there's a major danger with growing up and growing old. As we grow, we walk through life, no longer living from dreams and ambitions, but we start to live life from past experiences, past victories, but also past failures. And we start that, and as we start to live through experiences, and as we start to live through past failures, we start to become a small person. And as we become a small person, I wonder if our God shrinks and we start to worship a, a smaller God. See, the Bible tells us that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And if all of a sudden the Lord says, listen, this is what I have for you, and you sit back and say, whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I don't even see how that's possible, God. I don't even see how that physically that could take off the ground. I don't see how I can, can, can accomplish that. And all of a sudden we become in that place where, where it's kind of like, well, I think I heard from the Lord, but it's not possible. And, and God just becomes smaller and smaller and smaller. This morning, my prayer is that the Lord, as he says, in, as Elijah said to his servant, God, would you remove the blinders from our eyes so that we can see? God, would you help us to see that perhaps those dreams that were placed in our heart as a little kid, perhaps are dreams that Holy Spirit placed in our heart. And they're not dead. They just need us to be able to come alongside and say, God, that dream that I forgot about, or that dream that has become lost, Lord, I give that back to you now. And I ask that you water it and that it would grow. And Father God, you would be honored and glorified by that dream you gave to me. This morning I want to speak about Neoteny. 
Neoteni is Greek for new, fresh, youthful. Neoteni is the retention of youthful qualities by adults. It's retaining curiosity, playfulness, eagerness, fearlessness, warmth, and energy. You know, it's funny how when you just stop and think back in the old days, you know, think back when you were a kid. How many people can look at a time in their life where you're doing something absolutely silly as a kid, and now you sit there and say, Lord, I'm, glad, I'm, I'm just thankful to be alive right now. You know, how many people, anyone? I'm the only person in this room who, okay, woo! Think you should put up your hand. I know you've done crazy things. You know, don't say no. <laughs> See, I remember when I was a kid, we had in Bolton where I lived, we had this, this old abandoned warehouse. And it was creepy looking as a kid. Nobody worked there. It was just this building and had kind of an orangey roof on it. And it was sort of in this field surrounded with trees. And it looked like a Scooby-Doo movie with all the trees kind of going over it. It was just like, like creepy. And there was rumors going around about that building. And no, none of the kids would go near it. Why do you think we wouldn't go near it? What, what rumors do you think were going around Do we keep away from that building? It was haunted. That's what everybody thinks, but it wasn't that. You know what the rumors of this building were, and I can't believe you guys didn't yell it out this morning, is there was flying monkeys in that building. You know what? And that, it was kind of like, don't go near that. I don't know if you saw back at the, the movie of the day was The Wizard of Oz. Don't go near that building because the flying monkeys will get you and they'll take you off. So me and some buddies are like, you know what? There's flying monkeys in that building. We've got to see flying monkeys with our own eyes. So we collected sticks and we filled our pockets with rocks and we're like, we are going to go in and we're going to face these flying monkeys and we are going to see for our eyes this, this flying monkey. So we went there and we crawled in this building and we got in there ready for battle. But we were really disappointed when there was no flying monkeys in the building. It was just an abandoned building. Don't you judge me. I'm sure there was an adventure that you took place in where you thought the place was haunted or you thought flying monkeys were there. Whatever it is, you're thinking about it right now, so don't you dare judge me. You may be thinking, reminiscing about the good old days, but so what? What has it got to do with church, pastor? If Neos is regaining the, the limitness of youth, retaining the idea that we have been created by a limitless God to have limitless dreams and limitless imaginations, how do we as adults get so boring? If you want your life, uh, what limits, uh, in your life, what limits are you listening to? And believe me, I think as adults, we can listen to a lot of limits. I'm too old. I have a family to think about. Well, I have so much invested in my current job, I could never switch over. Oh man, that's just a crazy idea. Well, it's never been done before. Well, what happens if I fail? Truthfully, it's way too expensive. I can never afford that. And the list goes on and on and on of why we can't. But the Lord wants to break that this morning and says, you know what? You can when you step out in faith. There's a, a, a book written by um, uh, Brendan Manning. And in this book, he shares a little illustration about a guy who met up with Mother Teresa. And he says to Mother Teresa, would you pray for me? Because I believe that God has placed something in my heart, but the cost of this is going to be exponential. And I need the Lord to be able to put money into my life. Would you pray that that money comes in? And Mother Teresa says, absolutely not. Will I pray for you? 
She says, I, what I will pray, I won't pray that for you, but what I will pray is that you're able to step out in the relentless trust that Holy Spirit is with you and that we can do everything through Christ. And it's kind of like, it's a different perspective. It's a different way of looking at things. My friends, this morning, I'm here to remind you that we serve an unlimited God with unlimited resources. A God who looks at the loaves and fishes and saw a banquet for 5,000 people. That's the God that we serve. John 6 says, Jesus looked up and saw many people coming to him. He said, Philip, where can we buy bread to feed these people? And I love this line. He said this to see what Philip would say. Jesus, know what do you do? Philip said to him, the money we have is not enough to buy bread to give to each one. So one of his followers was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, and he said to Jesus, there's a boy here who has five loaves of barley bread and two small fish. What is, it that, uh, what is that for so many people? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There is much grass in that place. About 5,000 men, never mind women and children, sat down. Jesus took the loaves and gave thanks. Then he gave the bread to those who were sitting down. The fish were given out in the exact same way. The people had as much as they wanted. When they were filled, Jesus said to his followers, gather up the pieces that are left. None will be wasted. And the followers gathered up the pieces. Twelve baskets were filled with pieces of barley bread. They were left after the people had eaten. The people saw the powerful work that Jesus had done. They said it's true. This is the one who speaks of God who come into the world. There are situations that are going to come our way that are absolutely impossible, my man. And what is your natural form? Is your natural form to say, Phew, I guess it can't be done? Or is it to say, Jesus, what an awesome place for a miracle to happen where I can stand before people and say, listen, this is what happened. I could never do this in my own strength. I have heard the saying that God comes through at the 11th hour. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I find that God comes through a little bit after the 12th hour. When it's over, it's done. Have you ever found that in your life? You see, I know Lazarus. That was one of those situations where it happened. His sisters were like, please come, Jesus. Pray for Lazarus. He's really sick. If you don't come now, he's going to die. And Jesus took, what, three days, I believe? And said, you know what, I'm going to come, but uh, give me a little bit of time. Lazarus died in, those, in that time, and as he came forward, the sisters were mourning and saying, it's too late, Jesus. You missed it. The 11th hour has passed. She's already passed away. He's already passed away. It's all done. It's over. And then Jesus says, this will not end in death. I love that line. And he shouts out, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus walks out of the grave. My friends, sometimes we put things in a timeline god i need you to do this at this moment but our timeline doesn't li line up with god's timeline is and even though your timeline has passed the lord is like not yet your answer's coming but just wait on it wait on it because my timing is perfect kids live in a world of limitless possibilities they dream impossible dreams yet they know that nothing is going to stop them i wonder as we get older, if we allow the enemy to steal, kill, and destroy those childlike dreams, the key to recapturing those dreams is becoming childlike. Doesn't the Word says that whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? There's something about kids where they have absolutely no fear. They have absolutely no sense of shame. They have absolutely no hindrances.
I remember when we were living in Calgary and uh, Mackenzie was really young and, and mom sent her, uh, I, I said we found some kind of like a little, I don't, it's not a play school, but mom and tots where, where the moms get together with other moms and, and they, their kids play and the moms get to have coffee together. And we found this, I'm like, this is awesome. What a great place for Cindy and Mackenzie to be able to go. Mackenzie meet some friends. A mom can meet some other moms. We, we had no family in the city. And as that happened, Mackenzie went in there and they, they came home and I said to Cindy, I said, how was your day? Was it wonderful? She goes, was it wonderful? It was awful. That's what it was. It was absolutely awful. I said, well, what could have gone wrong? Come on, you're hanging out with other moms and, and babies. You know, they kind of entertain themselves. Like, wouldn't it have been a, a great day of, of rest for you? And she says, a great day of rest? I'll tell you what happened. She says, well, first of all, Mackenzie started going around smacking and beating up all the other kids. So then as all the moms were new moms, protective moms, anytime Mackenzie went anywhere near their kids, they're like, oh, boy, here comes the devil. Come here, come here. And sort of pulled their, their kids close so Mackenzie couldn't get close to him. And then as Mackenzie, as, as mom started to share with other, uh, other moms and started to meet the other moms, she turned around and Mackenzie was gone. Well, where did she go? It's a small building. The first time she found her in the men's washroom playing with the urinal pucks. So she got her all washed up and washed her hands and said, okay, Mackenzie, stay over here, play with the kids, play with the toys, start talking with another mom. Mackenzie's gone again. This time they found her in a fireplace playing in the ashes, throwing the ashes all over the place. Was it fun? No, it wasn't. But there's something about those kids. She didn't care if she was playing with urinal pucks. She didn't care that she's throwing ash all over the place. She wasn't embarrassed about doing that kind of stuff. But as we get older, that pride gets in there, and when all of a sudden something happens that hurts our pride, it's kind of like, oh, I don't want to expose myself. And I know that's still very much alive in myself. You know how I know this? Yesterday, we were shooting a video for the church that we're going to be launching in a few weeks here. And as we're shooting this video, for, for, uh, this, it's a fun video, there's one part in this video where we have to dance. And guess what? I'm not a dancer. So we're all out, we go out in the parking lot, we get it all set up, and as we go out in the parking lot, yesterday, out in this parking lot right here, and we all get in our line and we get our little uh, choreographed moves all together, it seemed like all of a sudden traffic came from nowhere. Like, you look out there right now, there's probably no cars doing it, but I, I'm telling you, there was not a break in cars. It was just like... <laughs> And it's just like, where is this traffic coming from? So, so Gordon's got the film ready. He's like, are you ready? It's like, no, I'm not ready yet. Why? Well, I'm waiting for some of these cars to die down. And that break never, ever came. So then it's kind of like, okay, well, let's start dancing. So we start getting ready our dance. It's like, oh, my goodness. There's so many people that are driving by. And I'm feeling, I'm feeling all gross. I'm like, I don't want to dance in front of people. I'm a terrible dancer. And all these guys are like, oh, man, like, what is going on? It's like th this little road here has all of a sudden become Highway uh, uh, 28, uh, you know, at rush hour. So we're sitting there and all of a sudden it's like, well, there's no time like the present. Let's start dancing. It's like, here we go. So they started playing the music and as they played the music, people then slowed down. And they rolled down their... Clayton, am I lying even a little bit? Not even a little bit. And they rolled down their windows, and as they rolled down their windows, they're all like this. The very first guy that goes by was an older guy, and he's got the farmer cap sitting high, and he comes by, and he goes, <sighs> and it's like, what? We're off the road. We're not dancing in the street. 
And it's kind of like, oh, now we're feeling all like, oh. And then as we're doing it, we start to do the dance, and people are driving by, and they're honking, and they're rolling down the window. Hey, good for you guys. Go, hey. And it's like, oh, Lord, just swallow me. Lord, this is a good day to take me home, Jesus. This is a good day for the rapture to happen. And it didn't. Why? On a Saturday did this road become so busy? Because Jesus knew there was something in my life that he wanted to kill. And he was saying, son, will you dance for me even though you don't want to? Will you do it or will you just say, you know what, let's just move this shot inside? It's happened to every single one of us in this room. All of a sudden, Holy Spirit talks us. It takes us out of our comfort zone. You know what? For a lot of people, speaking in front of people is a difficult, difficult thing. And all of a sudden, it's kind of like, you know what, you get a phone call. Hey, you know, I know what just happened in your life. Will you share a testimony? Absolutely not. <laughs> well, why not? Oh, I can't speak in front of people. And God's like, I want you to bring glory to my name. Will you do it? Or will you stay in the rut that you're in and do what you know is safe? And God's challenging us to get out of that boat. The humility of children is disarming, isn't it? There's no pride, no prejudice, no inhibitions, no hidden agenda. Truly undiluted humility. The word humility comes from the Greek word tapano'o, which in its strongest form means to humiliate. No one is better than that than kids. Why? Because they don't care what other people think. You want a biblical example for this? Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve were living in a nudist colony. They were walking around where everything was pure and wonderful. There was no shame. There was no guilt. There was nothing. Before the fall, there were no inhibitions in Eden. But the moment that Adam and Eve sinned, they became self-conscious. See, in other words, self-consciousness isn't just a curse, but it's part of the curse. So what do we do? How do we overcome being dull and boring? How do we walk in neotinny, fresh and youthful? i got a couple ideas this morning. Number one, when was the last time you did something for the first time? We need to get out of our rut and see what God does. One of my absolute favorite scriptures is found in 1 Samuel chapter 14. And in 1 Samuel 14, we got the story of Jonathan and his armor bearer. And Jonathan and his armor bearer, they were at war. The Israelites were at war with the Philistines. And he says to his young armor bearer, he says, you know what? What do you say we go down to the uh, Philistine outpost, the, the camp where all the Philistine armies are? What do you say we go down there? And let's just see if God does something. Did the Lord tell him to go down there? No. It's like, let's just go there where we could probably be slaughtered because the two of us are going in, into an army of a, a camp. And let's just go down there and see if God does something. So the young arbor bearers like, if it's good with you, it's good with me. And off they go. And as they go there, he goes, you know what, I'll tell you what. If they say, stay there, we're going to come down and we're going we're to fight you down there. We'll know that the Lord is not for us doing this and we'll leave. But if they call us up to the front, we're going to use that as a sign that Jesus is for us or God's for us and let's just go up. And they, they get there and all of a sudden the Philistines see them and they're like, what are you two dogs doing there? You think you're so bad? Why don't you come up here and fight? And they're like, huh, that's what we said, let's go. So they start climbing a mountain, fighting on the way up the mountain. You know, climbing up a mountain. <laughs> killing guys. Would you do that? 
Would you walk right in the middle of enemy's camp and say, you know what, I'm not sure, but let's just see if God's doing that, if God is in this. I grew up just outside of Toronto, and I remember as a teenager walking down the streets of Toronto, one o'clock in the morning, with no problems, no fear, no worries. But Cindy and I went back to Ontario, maybe this was seven, eight years ago, and we were downtown Toronto, and all of a sudden it got dark. It's like, oh man, let's get off the streets. This is a bad place to be. This is not, you know what? I'm not in Kansas anymore. This is no longer Cold Lake. We are downtown in the streets of Toronto. Let's go. Because something changes. That fear comes inside. I love that story. I often wonder if the reason we don't see miracles happening today, overflowing, is we don't want to step out of our comfort zone, placing ourselves into a situation where we truly need a miracle to be able to get out of it. Number two, we need to break the spirit of fear. Fear is a crippler. But yet the Bible tells us that he hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but that of love, of power, and of sound mind. But the problem is, is somewhere we stop living by faith and we start living by experiences. Let me ask you guys this morning one of those honest questions. How many people in this room would say, Pastor, I believe in the Word of God as the authority of who I am, and I would say that I am a Christian and Jesus knows me as a personal Savior. How many people would that be this morning? Let me see your hands. Okay, some of you, that's awesome. Okay, cool. So if that, I would say over three-quarters of the people put up their hands saying, yes, I would say I believe in the Bible as my authority and I walk in that relationship with Jesus where he is my Savior. How many people have had this conversation? Because I know I have. All of a sudden, you start to talk to a sister so-and-so or a brother so-and-so, and they say these words. And I don't know if you've heard of it or not, but I hear this kind of stuff all the time. Oh, pastor, when you were preaching this morning, I saw an angel standing over top of you. And he was just, he was doing whatever, and he was doing this. And I'm like, really? There, there was an angel over top of me? Because when I look, this is what I see. I don't see an angel. Or all of a sudden, someone says, you know what, pastor? I met with Jesus the other day, and Jesus... And we're like, what? You met with Jesus? You're seeing angels? You're a nut bar. Because all of a sudden we step out of that role and we're like, the Bible talks about angels. The Bible talks about demons. The Bible talks about Jesus. Jesus meeting with people. But when someone today says it, immediately a flag goes up and says, this person is not a, 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 a sane person. This person is nutso. Because we, don't, we, we leave the spiritual realm and we're not spiritual people anymore. What's wrong with angels? Do they exist today? Do demons exist today? Does Jesus exist today? So instead of us becoming that place of judgmental and saying, you're a fool, There's no, there was no angel over top of me when I'm preaching, why don't we get to that place of desperation where we get on our face before God and say, God, would you... Remove the blinders off my eyes so I can see. God, I want to know what you're doing in the spiritual realm because I see the word says that we wrestle not with flesh and blood but principalities. There is a spiritual realm that is in work over, uh, over top of Cold Lake and we need to have the eyes and the sense to be able to pray into the spirit of what God is telling us to pray. Amen? But instead, we walk in judgment can't believe it we, we may listen to the person and go oh yeah yeah wow that's awesome you saw that angel but what is rolling around in our mind while they're telling us that 
We must get to the point in our lives where we understand that we're spiritual beings and God truly does want to walk with us. God doesn't want to have a relationship where He's up there somewhere and we're down here somewhere. We're the ants just doing our thing. God wants to walk in a personal relationship with us where He walks with us, talks to us, pours out His Spirit into us. We need to get to that place of desperation where we say, Lord, I trust You, God, no matter what life throws at me. Because you know what? Sometimes life throws us a curveball, doesn't it? And all of a sudden we're in a situation that's not very nice and we're like, God, what are you doing here, God? Lord, I need the answer. I need wisdom into this situation. Let me show you a real cool example of trusting in God and not allowing fear to take over. It's found in 1 Chronicles. Benaiah was a mighty man with many exploits to his credit. He killed two famous Moabites. He climbed down into a pit and killed a, snowy, a lion on a snowy day. And he killed an Egyptian, a, seven, a, a giant seven and a half feet tall. The Egyptian had a spear like a ship's boom, but, but, but Benaiah went at him with a mere club, tore the spear from the Egyptian's hand and killed it with him. These are some of the things that Benaiah, son of Je, uh, Je, Jehoda, did. Now in saying that, here's this guy, Benaiah. All right? Benaiah, just uh, put yourself in that situation. Like, I, I can, I'm, I'm going to Hollywoodize this for you for a moment. You know, here's the, here's the movie. The movie opens up, and all of a sudden, this guy's walking down the trail, and he looks over, and he looks at the bush, and he thought that the grass is rustling a little bit, and he kind of looks in there, and his eyes become locked on with the eyes of a lion who's just pounced, ready to go. What would you do? Man, I'd run. Get me up a tree. You know what? Get me into the car so I can lock the doors. You know, get me some place of safety. And all of a sudden as they do that, the lion sees its opportunity and it pounces on Benaiah, ready to have its next meal. But instead of Benaiah doing this and running tail, he faces the lion and goes, ah! Man, that scared the lion half to death. The left lion didn't know what to do. And he runs down into his cave and instead of just leaving the lion alone, the, guy, the Bible tells us that he climbs down in this cave and he slays the lion. But not only does it say that, it says that he did it on a snowy day. Why does the Bible tell us that he did it on a snowy day? It happened in Cold Lake? Possible. Because on a, on a nice day where the, where, the, where the situations were perfect, it wouldn't be too difficult to be able to climb down and be able to go into this, this pit. But on a snowy day, it would have been slippery. It would not give the advantage to the guy. Guns were not invented yet, Corey. The guy runs down there, and I imagine there was this sound of a huge fight, and all of a sudden, Benaiah comes out dragging that lion behind him. Oh, it doesn't stop there. Oh, no. Seven and a half foot giant with a spear the size of a boat boom. And Benaiah goes after him with nothing but a club. And somehow he grabs the spear from the guy's hand, rips it, out of his, rips it out of his hand, and stabs him and kills him with his own spear. This guy is awesome. And it says at the very end that David put him in charge of his personal bodyguard, wouldn't you? Like imagine you needed a bodyguard and you collect resumes. It's like, yeah, well, I went into a snowy pit with a lion and killed him with my bare hands. And I fought this giant who was seven and a half feet tall, took his own weapon from him and killed him. I'd be like, dude, you are so hired. 
something happened there, but yet when these giants in our lives come after us, what is our tendency? Is it to go and fight and run, or is it to turn tail and hide? God has placed a spirit of boldness in us. Fear is not from God. And he wants us to be able to face the giants, grab the sword from their hand, that sword that is, is meant to kill you, and take it right out of the enemy's hands and stab it and end it because if God is for you, who can be against you? That's our God. Praise the Lord. See, my friends... Number three is it doesn't matter who you are. Remember who you were created to be. David had arrived. He was now king and the people were loving him. Perhaps they were even worshiping him. Why? People love battles. They love the stories. Man, we still love that today. We love watching UFC and following the fighters. We love battle stories and 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 we were soldiers and gladiator type of movies we love that and all of a sudden here's a real life story that happens where david is now the king and he goes out and fights the philistines and he wins the wins the battle and then he grabs zion the the ark of the covenant and he brings it back to the camp the people were cheering And David, I believe, realized at that very moment they were cheering him on. You know what? I told you yesterday when we were doing this dance, I was embarrassed, man. It was like, oh, Lord, please don't make me do this, God. This is for a video. It's not worth it. But if all of a sudden the Lord said, okay, for this shot, what I want you to do is I'm going to take you five guys and I want you to strip down to your tidy whities and now do the dance. It'd be like, absolutely not. I was embarrassed dancing with my clothes on in the middle of Cold Lake. But David, instead of wearing his kingly robes and prancing into the, the, into the, the city, saying, look what I did, he strips down and he starts to dance before God, saying, God, I give you everything. But then something happens. His wife, Michael, or Miguel, she's looking down from the tower and she was raised as a princess. She was Saul's daughter. And she sees the king coming in with the spoils of war. And she sees him dancing in a tunic. And she says, that is not acceptable. That is not what a king does. You are embarrassing the throne you are embarrassment to me. And David looks at his wife right in the eyes and says, you think that was bad? I will become even more undignified than this. My friends, there is going to be opportunities for you to be able to give up. Have you ever noticed that when you want to get closer to God, that there's people who are not going to celebrate that? There's people who are going to, they're going to be opposition for you saying, who does he think he is? Who does she think he, they, you are? And all of a sudden they start to come up with reasons why you should and why you couldn't and why you can't. But if God has placed that 
deep into your spirit. If God is taking that seed and placed it in that, He's placed it in there because He believes that you're good ground. Your fertile soil. He's given you that dream, that vision. Not me. Not your wife. Not your husband. He's placed that into you and said, Son, daughter, this is what I have for you. But yet, it is so easy to fall into that rut put our head down and just do life. And I think the older that we get, the tougher that it is to be able to break out of that rut because security becomes something that is very important to us. That warmth and that comfort becomes very important to us. And all of a sudden the Lord's like, son, daughter, do you remember when I shared this with you when you were a little kid? I haven't forgot it. Have you? You want to be set apart? Do you want to fulfill Romans 12 where it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, pleasing to God. This is true and proper worship. I love worship on Sunday mornings. It is so important to be able to not sit back as a spectator because worship was never ever meant for spectators. Why? It's not for us. It's for God. So He wants us to actively participate in what He's doing. But worship is so much bigger than singing. It's lifestyle. Where every day we say, God, today Lord, I give You my life. Today, God, I renew the commitment that I made with you. Today, Lord, I renew my salvation. What is it that you would have me do, Savior? What is it that you'd have me do, O oh, my King? Because, Lord, I am your servant. And I say, Lord, yes and amen. If you know that you've lost that passion, you know what, let's face it, if you know that you become boring in your Christian walk, something's not right. Because Jesus is not a boring person. He did crazy things. He, he did things that made people go like, whoa, what is happening right now? If that's you this morning, then I ask you to step out of your comfort zone. Get out of your rut. The rut, the life puts you in. Stand up against fear. For fear will keep you captive to the mundane. Live life to the fullest, remembering that you're an ambassador for Christ. Not only are you an ambassador for Christ, but you have all the power and all the authority because Jesus gives it back to us. That's who God is. That's who we are. And it's time as believers to be able to open up our eyes and say, God, I understand that I'm not, Christianity is not just something that I do but it's who I am at my very foundation. It's just not a title that I carry around in my Christian card holding member, but it's something that you've been able to empower me with to be able to accomplish the works that you've given for me. Lord, challenge me, stretch me. And you know what? We pray prayers like stretch me and then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit starts stretching us and we get mad. Oh, I, this does not feel good, Lord. 
Lord, I don't like this. God, I don't like that. Man, that person that you sent my way, they're the devil. God, you need to pray for them. And the Lord's like, I sent them to you because there's a rough edge in your life that I want them to bounce off you with. And all of a sudden, you start to become that smooth stone that I created you to be to become useful tool in being able to bring down giants. That's who you are. That's who we are created to be. Let's stand to our feet as we worship this morning. I just encourage you to say, God, would you renew that passion in my life? If you'd like us to pray for you this morning, we'd love to pray with you. If you want to just spend time, just Lord, it's just you and me. Then come on up and kneel at the altar. And that's just a sign that leave me alone. I'm just spending time with the Lord right now. Be blessed in Jesus' name. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Coley Community Church, a place where families come together.